What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hi, let me, let me turn my talk. Living life as a gringo Where you question Where you fit in Every time you mingle They say you do this With not enough that My rapping is really bad <laughs> This life as a gringo Yes, hello And welcome to another episode Of Life as a Gringo I am Dramos, of course And man, it's it went by so quickly But we are now getting into The final episode Of our Financial Literacy Month specials uh, Man, we've gone through how to get your credit right, how to build your real estate empire, how to get clarity on your career and find, you know, a, a career that you're genuinely in love with. And then this, I feel like this kind of a, a part two to that conversation we had last week with uh, with Carla about career clarity. And this one is all about negotiating the salary and the benefits that you want when you do, in fact, find that dream job. And my guest today is a salary negotiation coach. Her name is Evie Prete, and she'll be hopping on in just a little bit to get into all that. This is, again, kind of, I think, a, a part two to last week's conversation, where I know Carla touched on the idea of negotiating salary and negotiating certain benefits that you want. But in this episode, we're really just going to dive in, hammer it out from, man, the, the process of, first and foremost, being at your current job and possibly understanding that you've been underpaid and how to go about that, trying to correct that issue, to then recognize that you may have to leave that job, and how do we begin the search for a new job, how do we deal with the preliminary interview with the recruiter, how do we deal with the actual interview, what to do after the interview, all of that, we're really just going to break all of that down for today's episode, and and I've been saying this a, a bit since last week, but I just feel like these conversations are so incredibly important because many of us need a nine-to-five job to you know, pay our way while we maybe build our dreams. Or there are some people who just enjoy the structure and security of a nine to five job and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and the only reason we make such a big deal about that when we have these conversations about money and freedom and all of the above is because we have this notion that your nine to five job is something that is, is supposed to make you miserable. It's something that is going to make you incredibly unhappy. And that doesn't have to be the case. So that's why I think conversations like this one are so incredibly important. And, and for today's show, 
We're going to skip over the Ask a Gringo segment because I think, again, this is kind of a part two to last week's segment. But I do want to do a bit of a deep dive and hit you with a few statistics as well as my own experience when it comes to salary negotiation and, man, lack thereof. So we'll dive into all of that in a segment we call For the People in the Back. Say a lot for the people in the back. All right, so first and foremost, I just want to read off a, a couple quick statistics that I found. Now, this is from VentureBeat.com, and and they uh, they referenced this new survey that was conducted by educational software provider Genzabar, and it found that 47% of U.S. adults believe that they are underemployed, underpaid, and seek more affordable, flexible education to acquire new skills that will further their careers or help them find new positions. Then it says, in addition, 32% of respondents with college degrees believe their college education did not prepare them for their current jobs or the jobs they want to have. And the last stat I'm going to hit you with, they said one in three U.S. adult workers, 37%, either want a new job or a career in a different field. And I know we're touching on a lot of different things here. I mean, uh, man, the idea of college and, and the racket that that is is a whole topic for for another time. But I think the part that resonates here is is obviously the idea that people feel that they are underemployed or underpaid, right? Maybe they don't have the job title that they feel like they deserve. They're not getting the salary that they feel is fair. And and we've talked about this a bunch, but you know this is particularly true for women of color and, and even more so Latina women who are the most underpaid of any ethnic group. Like the average Latina earned only 57.3% of white non-Hispanic men's earnings. So just a little bit more than half of their white male counterparts. And that's a, a really startling figure. And then also to me, the idea that so many people, one in three U.S. adult workers want a new job. So many people are unhappy in their current situation. And obviously there are various elements that make this true, you know, be it your and company culture, your pay, lack of flexibility, all of the above, right? But the reality is all of that starts when you begin applying for jobs. All of that starts when you begin interviewing for jobs. And it's important to recognize that you have options and also you have leverage. I know, man, for me, when I got offered my my first full-time gig in radio, and this is before The Breakfast Club, like they didn't even actually offer me a bump in salary they basically just offered me 40 hours and that was it. I was still getting paid $15 an hour at that point, minimum wage. And I was just happy that I was full-time and had health benefits at that point, right? But the reality is I probably left some money on the table that I deserved to get. On top of that, I also remember like we sh- we moved locations. So I was working out of two different buildings. And when that happened, I still didn't think to be- talk to my boss and be like, listen, now you're having me commute you know, to a different area of New York City each and every day and then having to come back to the other area to finish my, my hours at this job. Like, you know, I believe I should be getting compensated for more money. But I didn't even have the like thought process or feel like I had any sort of leverage uh, to, to do that. And, and it's man, it's like I think back, I'm like, shit, I wish I had these conversations prior to that. Right. I wish I had somebody like myself, uh, a, a podcast that I listened to that brought on different people to remind you of of your value and your worth, you know? And then even when I think about, you know, my full-time gig 
at the breakfast club when that ended up happening. You know, I didn't negotiate that that contract much at all. You know, I think I only negotiated like some sort of a ratings bonus, but like I took the the salary that they offered me. I didn't even bother trying to ask for more money or ask for more benefits or ask for guaranteed time off. Like I literally just took the what they were offering me that first offer. And again, I know for a fact I left money on the table and I had the harsh reminder of like shortly after signing my contract, somebody else at the company who had like some more inside information was like, oh, yeah, you, you could have gotten a little bit more. And I just remember being like, fuck, like so mad at myself. But again, you don't know until somebody, you know, teaches you until somebody has that conversation with you, like, bro, this is how much this job was was actually worth, you know, and and those moments were all teaching lessons for me, you know, and in retrospect, I'm happy they happened because it made me more self-aware when I go into any sort of job opportunity, any gig opportunity and knowing that negotiation is is not only an option, but it's a necessary part of this process because the other side is not coming to the table with exactly what they're willing to pay you. And the reality is, you know, once that excitement of a new job wears off, I know for me, the first thing that ends up happening when you end up getting stressed and feeling a bit overworked is you start telling yourself, I'm not getting paid enough to do this shit, right? And 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 that's when those moments of frustration start sinking in like, damn, I should ask for more money. I shouldn't have taken the first offer, you know, this, that, and the third. But the reality is, you know, in my situation, again, as I go back to that, I didn't have any point of reference. I didn't do any real research as to what was industry standard. I asked, I think, one person their their advice, but truth be told, you know, it was somebody that probably wouldn't have given me the real the real information. You know, I should have asked actual people who were doing my job. I asked another executive, you know, who of course is going to take the side of the company, you know, because because they think that that's going to build up their status for them, you know. So I I say all of that just as a a bit of a reminder and 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 to kind of set the stage for why conversations like this one are so incredibly important. Like as I reflect on my time, you know, with my last, you know, long-term full-time gig which was, you know, with the Breakfast Club, a lot of the things that I began to resent or or even just kind of dislike about the position, I could have negotiated them when I when the contract was presented to me, right? I could have said, "Hey, I want to have more time off, you know. I want to have guaranteed time off. I want to be off when the hosts are off." I could have could have put all that in my contract and, and tried to use some sort of leverage, you know, but I didn't because I didn't know any better. And those are the things that began to eat away at me and make me incredibly frustrated at my job, you know. And now, you know, having this type of information readily available, having had this life experience, but also now having talked to people uh, like Carla, who we had last week, and now our guest that we have this week, Evie, you know, understanding that all of this is a part of the process and that you need to do your research and you need to be unafraid to to understand that you have a tremendous amount of value that you're bringing to the table. And I think that's the general kind of crux of all these types of conversations that we're having. I know oftentimes these jobs, these companies will make us feel like they're doing us a favor. But the reality is, if we did not have some sort of skill that they deemed valuable, they wouldn't be sitting there, you know, having a conversation with us about potentially working for the company. And they damn sure wouldn't be paying us money if they didn't deem us to be valuable towards their company. And those are all things that you have to keep in mind. And those are all things that are not taught in school, right? Getting back to that conversation about college and schooling and all these different things. Like these are some of the classes that should be fucking prerequisite classes, not some of the other bullshit that they make you pay for in college, right? So we all like come into the workforce, you know, 
uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and so ignorant to how things actually work. And and that's the the incredibly sad thing. And that's why I, I'm just so happy about this month of, of episodes because I feel like we're having conversations that aren't normally taught in school, let alone talked about in our community. And they're all just so, so incredibly necessary. Now, with that said, let's get into this necessary conversation. I'm, I'm really excited to bring this one to y'all. It is, I think, one of the, some of the more practical advice wherever you are in your life, in your career. Doesn't matter if you are working, you know, for yourself and and you know, you're getting paid for gigs and things like that. Like it still teaches you the idea of, of always trying to negotiate better terms for yourself. If you're working a nine to five job, even if it's just in the meantime of you trying to build up your side hustle, again, why not get the most that you could possibly get? And if you're somebody who loves the structure of a nine to five, again, nothing wrong with that. Why not try and get a position, a career that you're genuinely going to be happy at each and every day? So let's get into all of that with my guest today, Evie Prete in our Mi Gente segment. But first, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. As an actor, a producer, and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey, everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and we're reflecting on what matters most, I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of Michael Tudor Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. My guest this week is a salary negotiation coach. Evie Preta, how you feeling? Doing good, doing good. Really excited to be here with you. Of course, I'm. I'm excited to have you on here, and we were talking about that 
um, off mic before we started recording because I feel like this is one of these kind of financial conversations that goes so kind of, I feel like, underreported, unspoken about, you know, and, and you're somebody who really focuses on the idea of negotiating one's salary for, for a job, you know. Um, I mean, let, let's kind of first and foremost just talk about your work. I mean, kind of give people a bit of a background as to what exactly what, you know, it is that you do and, and also a, a bit about your story of how you got into this. Yeah, sure. So I help people negotiate their salary. And the reason yes. I got into this is because a couple of years ago, I found out how underpaid I was. And mm. for some context, I work in um, engineering. So I was a mechanical engineer, um, you know, Latina in engineering. And, you know, it was dope until I found yeah. out how much I was being underpaid and, mm. you know, brought up a lot of emotions, brought up a lot of feelings. I realized also I'm the first in my family to, you know, have a, a corporate job and have access mm. to these kinds of like, you know, 401k and, and benefits. So sure. um, I kind of started this journey of, you know, how do I ask for more at work? Because I know mm. I brought a lot more to the table than I was being paid for. So I kind of started sure. on this journey of how do I have this conversation? How do I pitch myself? And in doing that, I, I just created a really great strategy and mindset for it. And um, mm -hmm. in 2020, I realized that I started getting very real with my friends about like, you know, student debt and, you know, mm -hmm. our pay numbers, our salary numbers. And yeah. in asking around, I realized that a lot of my friends were also, you know, getting underpaid. So it was kind of like, mm -hmm. I'm going to change this with my friends. Like, I'm not letting mm -hmm. this happen to my loved ones, to my family, to my friends. And that's kind of where like the coaching began. And then I started to yeah. operate the other people online. So I, I love that you saw a problem and then took the initiative yourself to want to to be the change that you want to see essentially, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, let's let's kind of I, I mean, this is such a huge thing first and foremost. I'm glad you brought up as a as a Latina because the, the Latina wage gap is such a gigantic issue. Latinas are underpaid by far of any ethnic group that that is out there. Um, and and I, I want to kind of start also with this quote from your Instagram where you said, uh, continuing to choose yourself is an act of defiance long overdue. So I, I kind of want to set the base there because I almost feel like that's like a thesis for your work and, and everything that you're doing. So, I mean, when you when you see that quote, when you post that quote, what exactly does that mean for you? What are you hoping people get out of that? Yeah, um, what I'm hoping for is. I think we're taught, especially as Latinas, to, you know, yeah. put the needs of others before ourselves, if, whether yes. in our family situations, our relationships, our careers. And I really believe that when we put ourselves first, we can actually show up better for our families, mm -hmm. for our relationship, mm -hmm. in our career, right? So it's like this mindset shift of like, we owe it to ourselves to put us first. That way right. we can actually help our communities more, we can help our families more, right? Mm -hmm. um it really is about like committing to ourselves and from there we're able to like give back like tenfold of what we could have done before but it's this yeah. idea of like you know like our parents like were very you know put their family first and right. weren't didn't have the luxury to you know put them their needs first and so we're like right. the first you know being born here being the first born here in, in the states right we kind of have this mm -hmm. like different this luxury of being able to um, put ourselves first to help others. So um, 
yeah, that's kind of like the what I'm hoping people get when they read that. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's that's kind of my effort with that. I, I love that. And that's such an important thing, not even just when it comes to finances, but in general in life, it's a good practice to choose yourself, right? Because you're not going to be able to help anyone else out in, in a way that truly matters if you yourself are kind of falling apart in these different ways, right? Or if you yourself are lacking in these really necessary areas of your life. And then mm-hmm. obviously bringing it back to finances, like, you know, if you are in a situation where you're struggling or don't feel, you know, like you're getting what you deserve, it's going to end up seeping its way into your personal life, right? It can't help but, but feel that way. If you have this resentment that you're constantly hanging around, you know, at a place that you spend 40 hours a week at, right? Yeah. You know, so that's why these conversations are, are, are so important. So, I mean, when it comes to the, the Latino wage gap, though, you hear a lot of different kind of conversations as to why it is the way that it is. You know, I think it, it goes without saying there is a lot of uh, unspoken racism and also some, you know, spoken racism as well mm-hmm. that that happens in general when you talk about Latin women. But how much also would you attribute this this to maybe, you know, the fact that we're not taught, especially when you talk about Latin women, we're not taught to stand up for ourselves, you know, uh, and, and and to negotiate what we feel is our worth. How much would you kind of say it, it contributes to? Yeah, it's definitely like a, like a combination of both, right? It's like those, mm. like, for sure, like those um, biases exist at work, right? So mm-hmm. it's like you're dealing with that and and you're also dealing with like, we were never taught how to have these conversations. Like, even if you mm-hmm. go to like, went to college and maybe you had access to the career resources, right? They have mm-hmm. all these different resources on how to like fix your resume, how to get prepared for interviews. They're not teaching us how to negotiate. They're not teaching right. us that we can even like ask for more on the first offer, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's like an issue because it's like so tied to, you know, um, personal finance, but also yeah. it's almost this feeling of like, oh, I don't want to see come off as ungrateful for right. asking for more, right? Like we grew up like, you go to like whenever I go to like um uh Tia's house or a family friend's house, um, my mom would be like, I would when people would ask me, you know, if I wanted food, I'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm hungry. My mom's like, No, like uh, like right. we got food at home, you know, like don't look right. like, <laughs> ungrateful, right. right? So it's yeah. almost like that cultural thing of like where like almost don't want to mm-hmm. like come off as ungrateful or come off as like sure. you know, like needy. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think I talk about this a lot, but it's also like this survival mindset, you know, that that many of the older generations have and they pass down this like anxiety to us that like we just need to like get by. Right. Like whatever we can get that will help us get by is good enough. Right. And and it's you have to kind of flip a switch to getting into like this thriving mindset. Right. Because, you know, it's why we repeat so many different cycles in our communities and like this idea of like, La Brega, right? Staying in the struggle and, and we never break out of it because we're just taught that like, that's how life is supposed to be. And also there's something admirable about being able to be in the struggle as well, you know, which obviously are all incredibly toxic ideas that are no longer useful for our generation. Absolutely. So I, I mean, let, let's kind of break it down like from start to finish and let's kind of just go through a hypothetical kind of case study for someone, you know, um, because I, I think a lot of people you know, they're they're not even sure what they should be doing when they're going through the whole process of applying for a new job, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the prep things they should be doing? They kind of just like have the resume, 
they show up for the interview if they're lucky enough to get one and then that they're kind of just like at the beck and, and call of whatever this person is telling them mm-hmm. um at the job you know and and an interview the power dynamic is incredibly you know a uh, one-sided and it's uncomfortable you know mm-hmm. so so let's let's break that down i mean i want to want to know kind of some positive things people can take away you know so let's say that you are looking for a new job you are uh, applying for a job i mean before you even get to the application process, are there things that you would tell people to be looking for when they're checking out different jobs and different job postings? Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought this up because a lot of people yeah. think that negotiating starts like once you've gotten the offer and it starts right. way before that. So one of the first things I would say is like research. If you can, you can use like items like Glassdoor or Indeed to kind of get an ideal proximity of what is typical for like a role that you're looking for. And then you want to look mm. at like what typically does this company offer? And mm. you kind of want to understand what that range is. Now those numbers are not like law, right? They're not like mm-hmm. absolute numbers, but they give you a reference point. And right. um, like definitely informing yourself in that way is a great way to start. And then the next thing I would say is like find a number that like you're looking for. So like, and I mm-hmm. tell people like, hey, like, Look at the cost of living in your area. Like, don't just mm. base it off like what they're giving in that range. Like, think about what you need to be successful, to pay off your student right. debt, to, you know, um, tackle, you know, consumer debt, whatever it is. Like, what are your needs, like financially? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you need? What's going to help you and um, align with you? And then go mm-hmm. find the job that like actually provides ranges within that, right? A lot of people are instead are just looking for the job and then kind of like seeing what ranges are available. And the thing mm-hmm. is that so many companies, they have such large ranges, like, you know, you look for a job and it starts at like 48 to like 120, right? So right, it's like, right. you have to, it's like, it's like dating. You want to make sure that mm-hmm. you have your standards set and that mm-hmm. you don't date below it. And it's the same as like, you look at what you're looking for, for salary, you look at mm-hmm. companies that meet that and you just don't apply to, to below that right because the truth is that companies know and might see your value but they may not want to pay you appropriately because maybe they just some companies are trying to get as much as they can for as little as possible so it's like sure. those are not the work environment that we want to be in anyways right we want people mm-hmm. who recognize our work that see our value and they're like oh i want to invest in this person like let's talk to her like let's get her in right, right? so that would be the first thing to kind of get an idea of like what is going to work for you. Mm-hmm. And then the second one I would say is the number one place where people undersell themselves is in the job application under desired salary. Yes, so, which I hate this part of the job. It's the most frustrating part of the application because it's it, they're backing you into a corner essentially right off the get before you even really know anything about the damn job other than like what they've posted on the page. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, there's like, there's been different debate on like, what's the right thing to do. Some people put zero, you know, and that yeah. way you have the conversation. You kind of like can kind of uh, go back and forth from there. And mm-hmm. another uh, argument would be to like put that salary number, that high salary number. And yeah. I think there's like pros and cons to both of those, but really it is sure. about like doing that research. And so what, what people tend to do is like, oh, I really want to hear back from this job. Like I'm just going to shoot a little under, like just a All little right. bit. Right. Yeah. And when really we should be shooting those for those high numbers. And it's like, yeah. it's kind of the idea of like, these are my standards. Like this is my requirement, mm. like to even talk to me. Right. Right. And mm. to like really be confident in that. Cause some people are going to look at that number and be like, 
yeah, let's do it. Like that works. Right. Best, right. Um, and that the, the next one would be even when well, that w- would that be your that would that be your advice? Like if it was you and the, they see that empty box, you would actually put this is what I like the actual number you're looking for. You personally, would probably put that. Yeah. Personally, I would put like the number that I'm looking for. And that might mm. rule me out in terms sure. of like, you know, some jobs. But like I'm very committed to like finding an employer that is going to pay me what I want to get paid. And like I don't want right. to waste their time as much as, you know, I'm sure they don't want to waste mine. Right. Right. And that I think that's why your dating analogy is so good. Right. Because if if like uh, you're on a dating app and you you match with a guy or a girl and they ask you, like, what are you looking for? If you are looking for a serious relationship, but you only say like, well, I'm you know, I'm open. I just want to meet people and have fun. Like if that person's looking just for like a one night stand that that they're, they're basically going into it with that intention. Right. And you're not going to get what you want out of it, which is if you're looking for uh, a long term relationship and you're you're kind of like leaving yourself open just because you want to be like loved and accepted, I guess, right off the bat, right? Like so many of us want to have that initial pat on the back, like, oh my God, I got that email back from this job. I, I feel worthy now, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's, I think a lot of what you're saying is also finding that internal worthiness yeah. and, and understanding that if you don't get the the call back, then it just was not, the job wasn't worthy of you, right? Yeah. And that kind of was what it feels like. Absolutely, absolutely. And I love that you bring this up because like I tell my clients, like the only person who can define your self-worth is you, mm-hmm. not your partner, not your job, not how much money you make. It's literally what yeah. you, like how you define your own worth. And that sure. takes a lot of mindset work. But it also, when you commit mm-hmm. to yourself in that way, it also helps like almost like even out the playing field and it brings in the right employers or in the mm-hmm. dating reference, like the right people, right? Right, right, right. Ab- absolutely. I think that that's like, it, it's such a great analogy. Like when you begin to set those boundaries for yourself, you're you're going to elevate the people that end up kind of finding themselves in your inner orbit, you know? And I think it, it's great to kind of think about it in this way. To be honest, I've never really even thought about it in that way, but it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let, let's let's kind of go again through that application process now. So, I mean, anything else people should be kind of looking out for practically or, or how they should be filling certain parts of it out? That's probably the biggest one for the actual application. Sure. And then the, usually what follows up is like you hear back from a recruiter who's interested right. in learning about, you know, your skill set, why you're interested. And usually the mm-hmm. closing question is, what is the target salary? You're looking for? Yes. Yes. So this is like uh, kind of again, a, it's <laughs> yeah. another one of those things again. Yeah. And it's being able to navigate through that conversation. So mm-hmm. like, I truly believe that let's say like I'm looking for a job and maybe I'm currently getting underpaid. So like for me, anything above what I'm making right now to me might seem good. When in reality, let's say the job that I'm looking for and the hiring manager or the recruiter is talking to me, their budget might be like way higher than I'm what I'm targeting. Sure. And I should get paid like the most amount that I would be if the budget is allocated for that amount, like I should be targeting mm-hmm. for that range, right? right? I shouldn't just take what's a little higher, but still below their range, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, they may be like, if you're going to say like, oh, yeah, I'll gladly take a job for 75, but their range is mm-hmm. between 95 and 115. They're gladly right. going to give you 75, right? Sure. So that's why like this conversation is super important to understand how to navigate. So yeah. what I love to tell people is, um, not to provide their salary number right off the top of their head. Um, mm. Sometimes what the recruiter will say like, oh, we saw that you like are looking for X amount. Um, does that align with you? And what I'll tell people to say is um, 
thing along, along the lines of, I think that'll work for me, but also like, I'd love to learn like what the budget is for this role, or that might be a great starting reference, but I'd love to mm-hmm. learn more about the, the role from the hiring manager. So I can really understand the scope of this role um, before mm-hmm. I really give a solid number. And many times what like, after you say that, you say like, I'd love to learn what the budget is for a role like this. And many times they'll deflect or other times they'll say, yeah, we're actually looking for, for someone and we're thinking between X and Y. Um, does that range work for you? And that's where you can like, if it does work for you, then it's like, yeah, I think we can definitely find somewhere in the middle that will that will work um, or some find something that works for both teams, right? Making it like yeah. a positive uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. But if that range is like far below than what you're looking for, it's important to be honest and say, yeah. actually, I'm I'm really targeting a salary of, and then whatever that number might be. And they might say, oh, sure. you know what? We might be able to make that work. Well, the way we'll mm-hmm. have to work around it is like creating a new position or mm-hmm. moving up the level to be able to like accommodate that salary, right? But sure. many times people don't even have these conversations. And so they kind of lock in at like, you know, lower rates. So it's really important right. to like kind of, Try to see what their budget is and try to work around that and see like be on, being honest and saying, you know what, yeah. this does align with me or like I'm actually targeting and then whatever you're targeting. Right, right. No, I, I think that's it's it's great because you're coming from a position of power, right, rather than than desperation. And you're also making them have to sort of make some choices in the moment. Right. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of what's frustrating about the interview process and even the pre-interview process is like they're they're you know making you kind of have to be the one who impresses them you're the one who has to uh prove to them that you're worthy of the mm-hmm. next step in the interview right and again mm-hmm. all of this is creating this this power dynamic which sets the stage for the actual interview when you actually sit down in front of the the hiring manager so i mean dropping so many gems here Let, let's take like a quick little pause so we're gonna do a a quick break and then we'll be right back i often get asked why i'm such a big fan of wrestling and it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate, because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me, sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. All right, we are back. And let's talk about you kind of gotten past the recruiter stage. Um, you know, it's incredibly intimidating to go into one of these jobs, especially if you need a job, you are wanting a new job badly, you know, and this you're really excited about the opportunity that that this job may provide you. You know, mm-hmm. it's very much intimidating and nerve wracking to walk into an interview. So, I mean, before you get into that room with that person or, or hop on the, the Zoom with that hiring manager, I mean, what would you kind of say to people to, to prep for this this big moment that that is always, you know, usually pretty, pretty intimidating and very much one sided? Yeah, I would say the first thing is like, of course, they're interviewing you for the role, but this is your opportunity to like learn about them and to, it is like a two way street and we need to make sure that this is going to be the right job for you. It's not just Mm -hmm. about the salary, right? Like it's important to like, what's important to you? Do you want, Mm -hmm. you know, flexible schedule? Do you want hybrid schedule? Do you want a company that has a very clear succession plan? Like what are your needs? And uh, it's important to ask the questions of like, does this company have what I'm looking for? It's a, it's like, right. it's not just like, oh, this is why I'm dope and this is why you should hire me. It's like, no, let me see what, like, what you can provide me and how you can help me grow in my career. Um, mm-hmm. And so going in with those questions in mind really help convey like, hey, like, I know I'm valuable and I want to make sure this is going to be a good step for me, right? right. Um, so that's one thing I love to tell people when they go into the interview. The second one is to, I love to have people be prepared or the salary conversation, because it can really happen mm-hmm. at during the interview, after the interview, on the phone, right. via email. There's so many different ways. Yeah. And there's this like myth that um, you have to do it in person or you have to do it like live in order for it to mm-hmm. be effective. But what I tell people is like, whatever feels good to you, do it that way. So if you sure. feel most powerful negotiating via email, then move mm-hmm. the conversation to like an email, right? Okay. Um, so that's definitely something that's worked for like myself. Definitely. When I first started, I was like too scared to do it like in person. Right. Sure. So the way I would like, you know, the interview goes really well. They're really excited. They're like, we're prepared to make an offer. Like what, how does X sound? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where like, I'll encourage people to say like, I'd love some time to like really sit with it and review it. Um, can we, mm. can I get back to you via email? Right. Sure. So this is like takes the conversation offline into an email. And it, plus it gives you time to think about like what other benefits do they have? Like what mm-hmm. other things can I weigh into the conversation? And also it gives you some time to reflect on like, okay, like what are they looking for? Like what are the key things they're looking for in mm-hmm. a new person? And what experiences or skills do I have that makes me the ideal candidate? And like, how can mm-hmm. I let them know like, this is what I bring to the table? This is the immediate mm-hmm. value that I bring to the team. And that yeah. those are like um, what you can present to negotiate further beyond whatever the first offer is. And I always tell people, don't take the first offer. Like, 
Right. You know, you can always ask for more. And um, I know there's a lot of fear around, like, I'm afraid that they're going to revoke the offer. It's like the sure. number one question I get when people say, like, you know, to ask for more. Yeah. And the truth is that, especially right now, we're in like a hot market when it comes to looking for jobs, right? Like right. employees are kind of like hot right now. And yeah, especially um, good ones. If you're talented and you have like a, a good background, you have all the leverage because companies are, are really understaffed with quality people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, this is like, this is why I tell people like you have so much leverage when negotiating. And once someone's already like, talk to a hiring manager, like they're already usually prepared to make the offer. They've already are like kind of expecting the offer. They literally can't afford to like lose that person because Mm -hmm. like they were already, they had to put aside money in a budget for like the job description on Indeed or LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. They had to set a recruiter's time to like vet and meet with potential candidates. You had to take a hiring manager or the team outside of their role to bring, talk to this candidate. So at this point, like mm-hmm. they've already invested time in you. They're not yeah. going to like be like, oh, I'm going to take these backseats. Like I'm going to take away the offer because right. like, you want right. to have this discussion. At this point, they're like, we want to hire you. Like we're excited mm-hmm. and we're going to find something that makes it work. Right. Many times mm-hmm. they might say, you know, they might be honest and say, we don't have a budget. And mm-hmm. I tell people you can still negotiate outside of base salary, right? So it's important to know like what is important to you. Like maybe mm-hmm. you like travel. So PTO or hybrid mm-hmm. schedule or remote is going to be super key for you because it allows you to do that and still, mm. you know, work, right? So it's just thinking yeah. about what is important to me um, and can I negotiate on benefits that add value to my life or add value to right. my career? Yeah, that that's huge because, you know, obviously there's some conversation about the idea of negotiating salary, but like the idea of negotiating benefits like extra vacation time or remote working, like that's something I honestly probably would have never even thought of or or tried to argue for. You know, my focus mm-hmm. would have always just been on the financial aspect of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's huge and that's so important, you know, to, to give that, that piece of information. Now, but let's talk about the interview and say it goes well and say they don't make an offer right there on the spot. Now, I know there's overthinkers out there just like myself who are excited about it. They felt like the interview went really well. Like, does it hurt your leverage to show that you are actually excited about it, right? Like a follow-up email, you know, saying, hey, great meeting. You'd say like, you know, those are the kinds of things that I know I get in my head about. Like, I don't want to seem too overexcited or they're not going to give me the offer that I want. You know, uh, any any suggestions for people who are, who are maybe overthinking a, a process like that? Yeah, no, I actually think that's a great thing to do to then yeah. to follow up and show that like you are excited and you are enthusiastic right. about moving forward. Um, I don't think it, I don't think it, I don't think it hurts your ability to negotiate. Um, I think yeah. it just shows that like you're excited and stoked for this role and you can still be yeah. excited about the role, get the offer and be excited about the opportunity Right. And be excited to discuss to further discuss compensation. Sure. And it's like these key words, right? Of like, oh, I'm very excited, but the base salary doesn't work for me, right? It's like mm. having to almost like replace the word but, right? Which Im- yeah. implies like, oh, but there's a bad thing to this. And instead right, say, right. I'm very excited for this opportunity. I'm really excited to take my next step at X company. And I would yeah. love to further discuss the compensation. And mm. like you ha- you kind of add like a positive connotation to it. And then sure. from there you would go into like a very 
concise, brief uh, explanation to like why you merit more, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe you have like something like experience that directly aligns with this role and you're more mm -hmm. comfortable with a base salary of, and then that base salary. Right. So right. it's, it's definitely about making the conversation. Like, I think when people think of negotiating, they think it looks like it's my way or the highway, like take it or leave right. it. Right. Right. But really, right. I think it's like more about like, I know you see the value I bring to you and I see the yeah. value that bring to me. Right. So like, yeah. I'd yeah. like to discuss how we can um, start off in a really good foot how we can make this happen for both of us. Because it is a right. situation. Right, right, exactly. I think that's what you have to realize. I think that's a great point because they're getting the the person that they need to fill that role that they feel like is the best candidate for it. So that's a win right there. You're filling a gigantic void for them and you have to you know, treat yourself as the asset that you are to, to potentially work that company if you end up working there. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, another thing a lot of people don't realize is that like, the negotiation process is pretty normal for these companies, right? Mm -hmm. The the expectation is that there is going to be some sort of a, a negotiation process. You know, I, I'd probably argue that they would find it rare that you would not say anything, you know, or ask for any sort of, uh, you know, amendments to the to the offer that they're they're putting out there. I mean, I could be off base, but is that kind of what you have found as well from your experience? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and um, definitely we I've like worked with a couple of recruiters just to like get an idea for the process. And definitely sure. it's that they go in with a number and they kind of like do leave room for like negotiation. So they're, mm -hmm. they know that, especially right now, like um, yeah. top talent, like can yeah. go anywhere. So they're prepared to sometimes they'll even offer above what they're looking for because they're like, we want to secure this person. Like, right. it's like almost like the housing market right now. There's things that are above yeah. like <laughs> the last yes. price, right? And it's because they, yeah. they need people right now. Right, right. And I think that's, that's a great point. So I mean, let's, let's then move on to you uh, receive the offer. And it's actually, uh, let's say, let's say it's above what you had in your head, right? Like, should you still then go and negotiate? I know you said always negotiate more. But a lot of people get really nervous when it's like, okay, I have a job right now that I make 50,000. They just offered me 70,000. That's a huge bump for me. Uh, I'm going to sign it and take it. But what's your advice in that in that moment for people when, you know, they're obviously extremely excited about just the opportunity of you making more money? Yeah, absolutely. And my advice is, so I like uh, use the analogy of, I'm not sure if you've seen uh, King Richard with Will Smith. No. Okay. So it's about Serena Williams um, and her career, right? And mm -hmm. they, I think it's like one of Nike or somebody, right? Like mm -hmm. rent, rents, uh, presents an offer to sign her for like, I think a million dollars or 2 million. Yeah. And they end up turning it down. And at first, like the, the coach that's working with them is like, why would you turn it down? It's Nike. And they're like, if that was right. the first offer, like there's more, like yeah. she's worth more than that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I think she signs like uh, with Reebok for like 9 million. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if that's what they're coming to you for, they probably have more in the budget for you. And it's just a yeah. matter of asking or even saying like, like I said, structuring it, really showcasing how you add value to the role, aligning mm -hmm. those skills, your experience, and then making the ask for something that like something else that you might want. Right. Sure. Um, and especially because like in the Latino community, like, like, we are generally speaking, we are underpaid, 
So even if the the salary looks like more than what you're making now, it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily mean that there isn't more. And I know it's a scary thing, but like really Mm -hmm. like if they really like you, like the worst they can say is like, actually like our budget's pretty solid and that's all we can do. That's the worst they're going to tell you. The worst they're going to tell you is we don't have it in our budget. Um, And then sometimes they'll say, but can we, would you be okay with a sign-on bonus? Mm -hmm. Would you be okay with more equity in the company, right? Like they might find something like an alternative that might help with uh, in lieu of the base salary compensation. Sure, sure. And and at the very least, you can sleep easier at night knowing you at least tried and advocated for yourself. And this is as much as you're going to be able to get at this time period from from said company. So yeah, there there is a piece that comes with that. All right. Now feels like a, a good time to take another break. So we'll do that. And then we'll be right back. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together. And that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr. And on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me sharing memories, and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. All right, we are back. And last thing I want to I want to touch on is what about people who are fresh out of college? They're getting their entry level job, right? Yes, because this this is difficult. You are, you know, uh, not only fresh faced out there into the real world, but you're graduating with student loan debt. Most people, you know, especially those in our community, um, you don't have an extensive resume more than likely Mm -hmm. uh, in in the job that you're trying to to secure. And companies know that, right? Companies Mm -hmm. 
are are trying to pay people oftentimes, you know, uh, you know, intern money when they have a college degree. And, and it's because they know people are desperate just to get started and start building that resume. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, anybody entering the workforce now for the first time in a, in a real career, what's kind of the advice you give them there? Yeah, I love this question. Two of my clients uh, were new grads straight out of college. Mm-hmm. And their mindsets, both of them, were, I just need to get a job so I can start paying back my student loans. And right. I'll just take any job. And they yeah. did not really have the intention to negotiate. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to be honest, like, that's what I did out of college. You know, I was just like, yeah. man, you want to pay me? That's dope. Like, you know? <laughs> right. right. And um, especially going from being like a broke college kid, like anything is an improvement, right? The yeah. ability to like work full time is uh, you know, uh, a, a luxury for, for most people, you know, and to not have to like go and study afterwards or something like that. Like you're, you're moving up in the world, even if you could just do that. Right. Absolutely. And that is where, you know, I realized that like other, our peers, like our, you know, our white male peers, they're negotiating, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's even early with no experience. And so it's like, Mm -hmm. you should be negotiating as well. And one thing that I will say is like, you can negotiate, even if you don't have like internship experience or experience mm-hmm. that is like uh, professional if you like waited tables if you were a bartender yeah. if you were an ra you know residential advisor for the dorms like you had mm-hmm. any kind of job you still learn skills on those jobs and those skills are still transferable to your career and i remind mm-hmm. people like that that's valuable right mm-hmm. and um if you were involved in like a fraternity or sorority or some kind of like club on campus where you had to do mm-hmm. outreach or do, you know, uh, building relationships or like hosting community and inv- events. Those are all skills. Like all of those are mm-hmm. skills that are required and very necessary in a lot of different roles. So really you yeah. have a lot of experience that is outside of like maybe academia or internships mm-hmm. that you can use as leverage to negotiate. And yeah. again, like I do encourage people to negotiate. One of my clients, um, she negotiated, I think, a $37,000 increase from her first offer to her final wow. offer. And wow. that, that legit, like, pays for her student debt. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, y'all can do that. If you're, if you're a new grad, if you are a recent grad or senior year or fifth year in college, right? I'm a fifth, yeah, I was a fifth yeah. year. Um, sure. I was, I, I was probably like a seven year. I don't know what it, what it ended up being, but it was a lot. Yeah, me too. And it's like, <laughs> you have you have skills. Like you have skills that are transferable. Absolutely. I encourage you to negotiate. Yeah. 100% like negotiate. Yeah. And, and, and also I think a lot of people don't realize, I mean, listen, obviously you want to pay off your student bills uh, as soon as you can, you know, you don't want that sitting on your credit and all these different things It complicates stuff, but also for the time being, you can defer your student loans when you don't have a job and it won't hit your credit. It won't show up as non-payment. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people don't realize that they think like, oh, my God, I, I have no job. But I somehow have to pay this, like whatever it is that your monthly payment is. And as predatory as the loan companies are, they also do have like deferment programs. If you mm-hmm. say I don't have a job, I'm currently unemployed. I'm, you know, not making any money at all. I'd like to defer and they'll set you up for like whatever, six months or whatever it might be. And it, your your credit is still in good standing. It still shows that you're paying on time and all these kinds of things. So you know, you do have a little bit of time. You have some runway, regardless of like what everybody else is getting in your ear telling you about, yeah. you yeah. know, when you when you do something like graduate college. Um, and actually, last thing I want to say, just a par- form of like practical uh, way somebody can look at it. Do you have like 
a percentage in mind uh, or that you would suggest to people to negotiate upwards, right? So like what what percentage of the offer would you say you should tack on to what they're, they're giving you to negotiate? Or is there any sort of number that you have in your head that's like a safe way to start if somebody's a little bit unsure or feeling a bit uneasy about how much they extra they should be asking for? Yeah, that's a really great question. I don't really have anything off the top of my head percentage wise, but I think yeah. the way that helps me see it is like mm-hmm. even $10,000 might seem like a lot okay. of money. But the yeah. way I want you to think about it is what does $10,000 look like in 26 paychecks, right? right? Because that's how it's being broken down by. You're getting paid, in most cases, like every other week, right? Yeah. So when you think about $10,000 over, you know, your paychecks, it's actually mm-hmm. not that much. It's yeah. not that much more. So like $20,000 sounds a little scary or crazy, right? right? Well, again, you break it down and it's not that much more. So it's really right. about... I don't think there's like a special number. It's just about like mm-hmm. doing some market research on, on the base salaries, kind of looking at the company and what generally they kind of um, are looking to pay for this particular mm-hmm. role. But also, and I forgot to mention this, um, sure. asking people like in the industry, if, you have, if mm-hmm. you're a new grad or even if you're not, like you have a colleague that similar role as you, different company, and like you mm-hmm. feel comfortable with them, you can ask them like, hey, like, out of curiosity, like, I'd love to learn what your salary number is just to help me in my job search. Right. And I will never forget this, but at my last job, one of my coworkers who was a man, like asked to meet with me and he's just like, I wanted to talk to you about something. If you have some time, pulled me aside and he shared with me his salary number. And Mm. it to me was like the biggest move, like the biggest flex an ally can make, which was like, yeah, being a transparent, sharing me this with me this information and like really yeah. like in a way looking out for me. And I will never forget that. Yeah. like That's beautiful. Yeah. And there are people out there that want to do that for us, right? For our community. Right. And um, but we won't know unless like I know it's like kind of taboo to talk about salary. Right. Especially because I think it's like a lot of people tie their worth to the salary number. So then it yes. kind of gets like like maybe a little weird. Yeah. When really it's like, I think when we have these conversations and we can kind of be a little bit more transparent with, with those base salaries, it kind of does really help and show like, oh, they're paying us about the same. So like, okay, like there isn't a big pay gap. Like that's a good thing, yeah. right? As right, opposed right. to learning like, wow, there's a $30,000 pay gap between me and you and we do the same thing with the same yeah. background, right? Right. Um, so it, it does really help to have those conversations. Again, I know that's like a scary tactic to like right. talk to people in the same yeah. industry like it takes being a little bit vulnerable but i think it really yeah. does help with uh stigmatizing you know that conversation yeah and i have to ask i mean because you went through that situation do you then approach your bosses or hr and say like hey the, i know about this discrepancy I would like to request a raise or do you kind of just be like, fuck you guys. I'm going to, you know what, like what is the the best piece of advice you could give in that situation? Like if you do find out you're being grossly underpaid. It's hard to say. Right. But I think what I would do and what I've done is I would approach my boss and say something like, Hey, I'd really like to revisit my salary. Um, I'm fun doing some research and kind of like learning a little bit more. I've found that I'm actually like considerably underpaid compared to some of my colleagues. And I wouldn't necessarily mm. say who they are, um, sure. you know, um, and then I would say something like, I really love the company's stance on diversity and inclusion. And I know that this is 
something urgent that the company will want to help me resolve. That is like pretty much saying, it's pretty much asking them to put their money where their mouth is, which is like, right. a lot of companies right. say like, oh, you know, we have like all these special days throughout the year, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they yeah. showcase all the people of color and all the stuff. Yeah. But it's like, no, I want to I want actually, are you going to show up? Like, what is the action right. that you're going to help in solving this problem? And that's where you'll find yeah. real quick, like, whether they have a very long and delayed process. Mm-hmm. And like Martin Luther King said, like, I think it's like uh, delayed, I'm going to butcher this quote, but like, uh, <laughs> I think action delayed is justice deferred or justice mm-hmm. delayed. And I know, yeah. but it's the idea of like, if they're not going to act on it quickly, if they're, if they're not right. making it urgent, I think right. it speaks volumes for what that company, like where they stand. Yes. And because I, I think yes. a boss and a company that, actually we'll see this as like you're absolutely right like we're gonna mm-hmm. fix this Let, we're gonna start to do our internal process to see how we can make this correct right 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 and i think that's the best way to handle that and then um yeah if they really like don't really do anything don't advocate for you in any way i think that shows you what kind of work environment that you're in and like definitely would suggest recommend to like find an employer that will value you yeah, I, I love that because I just think I, I think it summarizes everything that we've I've been talking about this entire month, but specifically this this conversation. And it's also it's you don't have to hate your job, right? Like so many people think that like a nine to five is supposed to be this miserable thing. You're supposed to have a shitty boss that you don't like. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to like not get along with your coworkers. You're supposed to dread going in every morning. And obviously it's work at the end of the day. So it's not always sunshine and rainbows, but like you shouldn't be miserable the majority of your time uh, at a place that you're spending, again, the majority of your time at. Right. Yeah. And and I want I, that's my I think my biggest goal with all of this is to break people out of that mindset, you know, that mm-hmm. you can enjoy your work. You know, it's not you know, not everybody is set up to be an entrepreneur who, who lives off of, you know, whatever creative passion they have. And there's nothing wrong with being somebody who's better fit for a nine to five. You could still find that same happiness and joy in your work. And I just think, you know, obviously media, uh, life, our families, especially our community, it's like we're pre-programmed to like just think this constant struggle is supposed to be the way it is. Yeah. It just doesn't have to be that way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And like, I would say like, you have to protect your peace. Like if your yeah. job is costing you your peace, it's too expensive. Right. And mm-hmm. I see like your, mm-hmm. your Wu-Tang uh, mug. So yes. like, <laughs> I think it'll protect your neck, but like protect your peace, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I would say, yeah, absolutely. Like it's important. Like, like you said, we spend a lot of time at work and we should, yeah. of course there's challenges at work. And sometimes mm-hmm. like there's, you know, some things that are a little tough and, yeah. you know, can be challenging, but Work should not be a place where you're you wake up and you're like, ah, like I have to right. go to work today, right? Right. It should be yeah. a place of like, okay, like I have that one meeting. Mm-hmm. I'm nervous for it, but it's gonna go good. I have a good team, right. we'll figure it out. Like I'm not worried, right? right? Like having a good team, mm-hmm. having a good work environment. Um, mm-hmm. you can have a job where you're actually look forward to hanging out with your coworkers or seeing your coworkers, right? right? Um mm-hmm. But I absolutely agree. Like sometimes we we think we have to struggle. And I think it's mm-hmm. maybe because I know personally speaking, like I grew up seeing my parents struggle like financially, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So we almost believe that like that's the norm. And right. people, there's this saying that goes like, um, 
the idea that like uh, success is scary. And I, I believe it really is, especially if you're used to surviving. Like sure. thriving looks scary when you're used to just yeah. struggling and trying to survive. And it's almost right. scary because like, it's like the idea of letting go of mm-hmm. the concept of like, life doesn't have to be a struggle. And that might be you're right. all you're used to. So it's like a hard, yeah. it's hard to let go. Yeah. And it, well, it's also, I think, because you're so used to being in the struggle, you can't believe that being successful and like fulfilled is actually something that can last, right? Yeah. Like you're waiting for the next, like the rug to be pulled out from under you type uh, of thing, right? Yes. And, and and that's like, again, that's like this generational trauma yes. that we've all been, many of us, you know, uh, have been passed uh, passed down, you know, and and we're, we're kind of just like, you know, I know for, for my family, it's like the goal was, especially for my father, be, just be able to have a job that pays you enough to take care of the bills and take care of your family. Mm-hmm. And as long as you have that, it, you should just be happy that you have that. Right. Mm-hmm. And and not to say that you shouldn't be grateful because there are so many people who don't even have their basic needs being met. Mm-hmm. But again, like we're not meant to kind of just like have this baseline level of happiness where it never goes up or never goes down. Like we should genuinely be able to have more than just our basic needs. You know, we should be able to explore and enjoy all that life has to offer, you know, yeah. and, um, your, your finances are a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. And, and also, you know, where you spend the majority of your time is a huge part of that, you know, so your job hits on both of those things, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it's where you physically are spending the most time, but also the, the thing that you need to be able to keep a roof over your head and have your safety met, right? So, we have to place that importance on the work that we're doing and, and where we're doing it and, and who we're doing it with, you know, because it does take a toll on us if it is something that is incredibly negative uh, for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that we're even having this conversation because like mm. salary negotiation is that perfect combination of like personal finance and career, because if you can make more at work, you can then have more to in your finances to fund mm-hmm. whatever goals you're looking for. Right. 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 Absolutely. Uh, I mean, this has been incredible. Evie, is there anything that that we miss? Anything that you feel like needs to be pointed out? I know we dug deep into pretty much uh, a ton of what what we possibly could, but let me know if there's anything you feel like we missed in this conversation. Yeah. Um. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I do have some stats mm. that I love to share. Okay. Because I yeah, think, please. I know negotiating salary is scary. But I think when we think about it big picture and really understand mm-hmm. the impact of not negotiating, I think it helps mm-hmm. drive a little bit more urgency. And especially sure. for like, you know, women of color, like you mentioned, Latinas are the lowest paid um, when you look at different demographics. And mm-hmm. Latinas miss out on $1.1 million over the course of their careers from the pay gap. Mm. So wow. like that one person who starts off college and doesn't negotiate, like that's what they're set up to lose over the course of their careers. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's, that's also well, like, since we're, it's, you know, financial literacy month, right? Sure. So I'm sure y'all had like people talk about like investing and different types mm-hmm. of investments. And it's like, yep. when you think about the cost of opportunity and how much money you mm-hmm. lose, because you're not putting it into investments, it like, becomes a much bigger number, right? Right. Um, and I think it's currently, and I'm trying to work on this number, but currently only mm. 40% of women negotiate salary. And mm. there isn't statistics to see like how that changes in different demographics. But 
Mm-hmm. I almost like I'm curious to know like how like how many Latinas like what that percentage looks like because I have a feeling it's really mm-hmm. really low. But it's right. the idea of like less than half of us are negotiating. And if we want to build generational wealth, if we want to like mm-hmm. you know improve our personal finances, like negotiating is such a big key, you know, part of that that can really help with all the other aspects of financial literacy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up. Uh, investments that like that shouldn't be looked at as a luxury that should be the norm like mm-hmm. I know the like white friends that I grew up with their families had vacation homes right and that always seemed like crazy to me because my parents that was never an option right mm-hmm. you know but to, that was the norm in their world and what is it that's equity right, right. I mean, who knows if they if they decide to sell that house if they still had it you know during this crazy housing market that we're seeing like they just made a killing on, on that investment that they made, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's how what life should be. We should have our assets put in different places. We should have mm-hmm. assets in general to to play around with and, and to, you know, protect ourselves and to be able to pass down to the next generation. So, man, uh, thank you so much for, for the work that you're doing, Evie, in, th- in this conversation. I just think it's so incredibly important. Uh, where can people follow you if they want to set up coaching calls, they want to get some more information on all that you do? I mean, please point them to, to your, your social media, your website, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course. So you can find me on, on Instagram at La Mala Mujer blog. You can also find me on my website, which is La Mala Mujer. You can find me on TikTok, but like, I'm trying to get it down because like, uh, young and <laughs> be killing it and I'm you know, yep. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I feel um, But yeah, you can definitely find me on there and um, set up a, a coaching call or just, you know, look at what some people, like what some other people have been able to negotiate to kind of give you some like inspiration on what's possible. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having this conversation. I'm sure we, we helped out a lot of people and gave them some, some new games. So thank you so much for all that you're doing. No, no. Thank you so much. And honestly, thank you so much for reaching out and putting this together. This has been so dope. And I love what you're doing. Uh, Thank you. Man, big shout out to my guest this week, Evie Preta, for just dropping so many gems, so much knowledge. I hope you took away from this as much as I did. I just think this opens your mind to how the world works, how the job force works, and, and how to negotiate and, man, get Get things done on your terms to give yourself a more fulfilled and happy life. And with that said, let's kind of wrap everything we've talked about in a neat little bow in a segment we call Conclusion Stew. Time for Conclusion Stew. Man, so I I think it's only appropriate to not only kind of summarize today's conversation, but also these month-long conversations that we've been having when it comes to financial literacy. And listen, I only got to touch the tip of the iceberg, I feel like, on this conversation. There's so many different things I would have loved to have been able to to get into. And I'm sure throughout the course of the year, we'll be able to sprinkle those in in various ways. But I think when it comes to this month of conversations that that we've had, you know, for me, and I'm, I'm giving myself my own advice here, it's important to slow the fuck down a little bit, right? To not get caught up in the rush of life, the rush to do things, you know, the the rush to kind of burst through the door and, and just make something happen. I think a little bit of patience, a little bit of tact goes a long way. I mean, even when we talk about something like our credit, right? Taking the time to actually understand and to learn how this stuff actually works, understand the science, the method to it, And then you can make intelligent decisions from that knowledge, right? Because this shit follows you everywhere you go. Your credit 
You can never outrun it. And trust me, you don't want to be like me who had to break a sweat every time they were just trying to move on into the next phase of their life, right? Like getting an apartment should be an exciting moment in your life, not a stressful one. Buying a car should be an exciting moment in your life, not a stressful one, right? And the list goes on and on. But if your credit is all jacked up, those moments are then clouded by the fear of not getting approved. And and not and if you already are at that point where, you know, you might have gotten yourself into a bit of a hole with your credit. Listen, I did too. And it was very embarrassing. And it was something I avoided for so long. But you have to face it. You got to face that difficult thing and, and just buckle down and take care of it. That's what I did. That's what my credit expert did, Jeannie Kelly. I mean, she was in debt and she just told herself little by little, I'm going to get out of this. And she gave herself like, you know, a, um, a five-year window or a three-year window, whatever it was. And she just said, we're not going to live like this forever. I'm not going to, you know, give up my entire life paying down my debt, but I'm also going to make a responsible effort to get it cut down in a reasonable amount of time so that I can turn my life back around. And that's exactly what she did. And quite frankly, that's what I did. I was able to turn my credit around, you know, fairly quickly because I committed to wanting to improve that part of my life. You could read all the self-help books you want. You could be a mental health expert, all of the above, but you also got to take care of your your personal life, your business life, and your career, right? It's all like a work in balance. If you're stressed about money, if you're stressed about your credit, there's no way you could have a, a, a good, you know, outlook on life that you could have positive mental health, right? You're going to be carrying around this burden. So so you have to take care of this stuff as difficult as it is and, and recognize that there are experts out there who are willing to help. And then when it, man, when it comes to real estate, like understand the opportunities that are out there for you, you know, especially as people of color, real estate to me is is the fastest way to gaining power right to 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 really gaining a, a piece of the pie right like there's a reason why things like redlining where certain areas were were off limits to people of color to black people you know there's a reason why things like that happen in history because owning real estate is power owning a part of your community is power and in a country that seems you know pretty hesitant to let go of its racist past we have to take opportunities for power wherever we can get them. And to me, real estate is one of those things. Now, let's get to career clarity, right? I said this when I started the show. Your job doesn't have to be something you hate. This idea that a nine to five has to be this miserable thing. It's just not real. It's not rooted in, in reality. That's that's just something, you know, that, that has been created and, and man, just continued on by companies who wanted to take advantage of us financially and also not have to put forth the effort to create a culture that made us actually happy to be there because they didn't because we were all desperate to be working and have jobs. But like we talked about in today's conversation, we touched on that where the idea is companies are really struggling to find quality candidates. Like we're at a point right now where we have the leverage. Companies are paying more money than they ever have, you know, places like Target and, and all these other places you see the hiring signs and now paying this much, right? Like, they're they're getting desperate. They need us. We have the leverage. We we now need to utilize this moment and and this this opportunity to allow ourselves to have happiness and fulfillment in our jobs. You don't have to jump at the first job opportunity that you get. You don't have to stay at a job just because it's a safe and easy paycheck. Like you deserve to be happy and 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 enjoy the work that you do each and every day and enjoy the people that you have to be around 
for 40 hours a week, you know, each and every week. And then closing out on, on today's conversation further, I love what Evie was talking about, this idea of thinking about your job search as as dating. You have to set the criteria that you know you want in a partner, and in this case, in a job. And if they're not providing you with that, you have to have the self-love and the self-belief to move on from it. You have to know that there's something else better out there for you that is more suited to what would actually make you happy and that your happiness is a priority above all. And I know some people are in jobs that they have no choice because they got to put food on the table and this, that, and the third. And I understand that. But while you're at that job, you still have the opportunity to be seeking out other opportunities that may be available to you. When you get home from that job, I know you might be tired or you got responsibilities, but why not use a half an hour on websites like Indeed or LinkedIn and just see what other job opportunities are out there and fill out an application. Apply for a job, take the interview and just see what happens. See if it might be a better fit for you. You owe that to yourself. That That is a form of, of self-love, self-care right there. You don't have to be stuck in a dead-end job that you hate that is just giving you the minimum that you need to scrape by. Like those days are over and we have to take that power within us, especially people of color. I mean, listen, I, I saying I feel like I'm it's a broken record, but like the system is not designed for us to win. So we have to empower ourselves in every way that we possibly can. And that means no longer taking the shit that they've been force feeding us, understanding our worth and understanding our value and refusing to accept anything less. Now, with that said, thank you all so much for tuning into another episode. I appreciate you, man. All month long, the feedback has been incredible. So thank you all so much for, for riding with this. I've loved having these conversations. I hope that it was something very valuable for you. If you're new here, you're just joining us, man, we would appreciate it if you uh, gave us a review, maybe a five-star review if you felt you felt so so compelled to, a nice uh, little written statement about the podcast. All that stuff really does help. Subscribing and, and everything like that, wherever you're listening, really does help us out uh, with growing the show and, and providing more information to, to other people. So thank y'all so much for, for just, man, the support. New and old listeners, I appreciate you. We'll be back, uh, of course, on Thursday with our Thursday Trends episode. Until then, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Life as a Gringo is a production of iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi, everyone. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.